Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So history is filled with heroes who've stood up for what was right in the face of serious opposition, whether that's from their own peers or from the government, whoever it may be. Today, I wanted to talk about one of those heroes who's one of my favorite authors, and her name is Zora Neale Hurston. First of all, Connor, have you ever heard of her at all? A little bit, uh, but this, you know, for example, our listeners know we just put out a book called The Tuttle Twins Guide to uh, Courageous Heroes a few weeks back. You can go to tuttletwins.com slash products and find the book listed there. And, uh, you know, that was a hard thing to do because it's like, we don't want to have a 8,000 page book and all these <laughs> fun stories. And so we didn't share uh, the story of, of uh, Zora um, in that book. We've got a lot of other fun stories in there. So go to TuttleTwins.com slash products, check out the book. And I'm excited to get into Zora's story with you today. Yeah. So what makes her so cool, in my opinion, is that she is one of the first female libertarians. So we'll get into that in a second. But when I first discovered her, it actually had nothing to do with you know her character or even her personal beliefs. She wrote a book I had to read in English class. And typically, I don't know about you, but I hated whatever book was assigned to me in school because I'm not really big on being forced to do something. So the second a teacher would tell me to read a book, I just never wanted to read it. I've still never read Tom Sawyer. I think that's the one. I've never read Tom Sawyer because they wanted me to read Tom Sawyer. And so I said, no. And you haven't watched Lord of the Rings. And I haven't watched Lord of the Rings. So the public (sighs) school system failed me. (laughs) (laughs) But I had to read one of her books, uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God, which is probably her most famous. Um, And I had no idea when I read that book that I was going to love her in other ways. But that was one of the few books that I read in high school that I actually reread as an adult because I liked it so much. So there are a lot of jokes about like, libertarians and how there's no women in libertarianism and part of the reason that's funny is because there are no women in libertarianism i'm kidding that's not really true (laughs) but there didn't used to be there used to be only a handful and we have more of them today but back in the day when there weren't that many when there was a female libertarian it was really important part of the reason is because that paved the way for people like me to enter this movement so i would not be here today if it weren't for people like zora neale hurston so that that's what makes her unique and aside from from that she's also a really integral part of black history and black culture as well. So, but let me back up a little bit. So Connor, can you give us a little a synopsis of like, just of like where she was born? I think I, I think you've got some of that information, right? Yeah. So uh, she had seven siblings, so a pretty large family, kind of like you. Yeah. And uh, her father was a Baptist preacher and a farmer and a carpenter and, you know, sounded like a pretty handy guy. Uh, her mom was a school teacher and she was born in Alabama. They, they moved to Florida. Now, a lot of her stories are set in the the South for this reason, right? She kind of grew up there and kind of understand, understood uh, what it was like to live there from her experience. And so her stories kind of have that setting. Uh, So she became an author uh, and even a filmmaker. And uh, what was what she's often known for is she would portray, you know, racial struggles of of black people and the tension of, of racism in the early 1900s. Uh, in American South. And so, of course, you know, slavery has been abolished, but there's still so much racism and and, and racist uh, racial tension. And so she's got uh, four novels, as I recall. The most popular one, as you mentioned, is uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God. This was published in like 1937. So, you know, way before your parents were born, kids, <laughs> even before your parents were born, for the adults listening, probably. So a long time ago. Uh, but she wrote a lot of short stories, you know, and essays and stuff. 
and uh, was even a leader in what was called like the Harlem Renaissance. So she was kind of like, you know, kind of an activist, you might say, a storyteller. Um, and so she's most well known for their eyes uh, were watching God, but that's not the only reason why she's well known, nor why we're going to talk about her more today. Exactly. Um, so back in her era, which late 30s, early 40s and early 50s is when she was big. The term libertarian, I actually don't even know if that was a word back then. I know that the word started being used more in like the Ayn Rand era. And we talked about her in another episode, but that was more in like the 60s. I don't know if you know the answer to this, Connor. I don't know when the word started being used. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's That'd something a, we'll have to look up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to say, yeah, it was kind of the 70s and 80s because the, the weird um, issue here is that liberal, uh, you, liber, libertarians used to be liberals. I mean, the founding fathers would consider themselves, maybe except Alexander Hamilton, but... <laughs> <laughs> we don't like him anyway. He's the not of the founding fathers would consider themselves libertarians. And, and at the time, it was liberals. It was the word liberty, the same root word. And of course, uh, like many things, that word was co-opted and now liberal means kind of progressive and big government and, and so forth. And so seeking to rebrand themselves, you know, libertarians first, I think they started saying like classical liberal yes, uh, versus neoliberal or new liberal. Um, and so you, you'll hear people sometimes say classical liberal. All that means is like the liberals, like the founding fathers and libertarians, I think it would adopt that same thing. But kind of coined that term i think several decades back just to kind of give it some distinction so so yeah like you know here we're talking about um zora's story and even though the term wasn't really used at the time she kind of falls under that same classification absolutely i think they would have called her conservative in fact there's been a lot of essays written about her in modern day about her being conservative um john i always say his name wrong i just saw him speak to john mcwarder i believe is his name he has a great podcast he talked about her being like one of the most integral and famous black conservatives who ever you know lived in this country so there's a lot of different words or, or labels being thrown around what's cool to me though is she hated labels <laughs> so i kind of <laughs> like that about her is she would not have called herself any of those things but that didn't make her any less opinionated so and it, what's funny to me about the conservative part and this is why i bring her up because to me this is important as somebody who's kind of a conservative libertarian and a female her example meant a lot to me especially because a lot of people try to hide that part of her because she's so integral to to black culture and to the south a lot of people don't want her to be clumped in with republicans and conservatives but that's actually a really kind of like a big part of her life so that's that's really really interesting to me that so much of that is hidden it's actually hard now to find it on google 10 years ago i did not have a hard time when i was in college i did a project on zora neale hurston and I did all this work, this like research on her political work, and it's not as available today as it was 10 years ago, which I thought was wow. really, yeah, interesting. But so anyway, a lot of people in literary world tend to be more on, I don't want to say the left, that's kind of a word, like, which we say liberal on the liberal side of things. Yeah, yeah. And they tend to see conservative libertarians as their enemy and, they, they, you know, they don't want to think of, of any of their heroes being on that side of things. So that's why it happened. But without labels, excluding all that, Hurston was above all things an individualist. And that's what she gets remembered as. And she once even said, it's time for us to cease to allow ourselves to be delivered as a mob by per persuasive friends and become individual citizens. So that is like her whole thing. That's what her whole prerogative was. And she was also really against affirmative action for this reason, which was very controversial within her own community. Connor, can you tell us what affirmative action is? I know we've talked about it before, but it's kind of a big term. Well, it, it's kind of funny. It's, it's people who don't like racism come up with policies like affirmative action, which are racist. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the people who say they don't like uh, 
uh, racism or racist. In other words, if, let's say you're uh, in charge of college and you're deciding who, uh, which applicants are going to be admitted as students. Affirmative action would say, well, you need to admit more, let's say, black people because black people have been disadvantaged. And so you need to give them a leg up. Well, rather than looking at your applicants for your college and ignoring what people's races are and just admitting them based on their merits, based on their knowledge, based on their essays, based on their portfolio, whatever, right? And just letting the, the best people kind of be admitted regardless of race. Affirmative action says, hey, because I'm black or because I'm, you know, American Indian or, or even a know, woman, whatever. even females, I think yes. are part of that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I've been historically disadvantaged, therefore you should disadvantage other people to benefit me. And, and that's a very backwards way. But there's a lot of people today who share similar views in what's called reparations, right? Like, oh, yeah, black people were once enslaved. Therefore, black people should get checks from the government today uh, for reparations. It's like, OK, like we, we understand that, that those bad things happened a long time ago. I had nothing to do with that. Why should I have to pay, you know, to subsidize your life just because, you know, you feel that reparations are in order. So affirmative action is kind of like focusing on people's race to manipulate their chances of success and support them or force employers or colleges to you know hire them or admit them and so that bro broadly speaking is affirmative action so perfect because that gets me into my next quote so something that she said of this whole system so this is her quoting now if i say a whole system must be upset for me to win i am saying that i cannot sit in the game and that safer rules must be made to give me a chance i repudiate that if others are in there deal me a hand and let me see what i can make of it even though i know some in there are dealing from the bottom and cheating like hell in other ways so she she was very staunch individual she also hated the idea of victimhood and so she really yeah. believed that individuals could and i hate to say like pick themselves up by the bootstraps right that sounds so cliche but, right. but she really did believe in that. And that's uh, similar to other people like Booker T. Washington at the, uh, before her time, right. but similar as well. And, and we do have Booker's story in our Courageous Heroes oh, book. So, great. so many people like that who, who, right, they're trying to shed labels and say, okay, yeah, I'm black or yeah, you know, whatever I am. Don't focus on that. Focus on me and my abilities and my skills and my ambition. And, and it's kind of like the quote you just read, right? Like, give me a hand, give me an opportunity. And I'll rise or fall on my own merits. And, and that's where the chips will fall, right? Don't admit me or not admit me based on some superficial characteristics. It's very odd that people who, uh, you know, decry racism and, oh, white supremacy. And we've heard a lot of that in this election, uh, this past election that we just got through. Um, you know, the very people who are often the most vocal about these things and pointing at other people and saying you're racist tend to be uh, racists themselves and guilty of the very things uh, that they're talking about. I remember a few weeks back, I had an exchange. I, I wouldn't even call it an exchange. I uh, retweeted a video from NBC and uh, by this woman I've never heard of before. Apparently, they gave this uh, lady a, a talk show. She's Do you remember her name? Uh, Amber, uh, Amber Ruffin. Oh, Amber, okay. I've never heard of her. So her Twitter handle is Amber M. Ruffin. Yeah, no one's heard of this woman. And so she had this clip that was going around, and it looks like she's since deleted it. I'm going to look at it now, but it was getting a ton of views. And she was in there talking about this was before Thanksgiving. She's like, you know, a lot of people say we need unity. And, and, you know, if you have a white supremacist in your family or you have a Trump voter in your family who are all racists, by the way, um, 
that you should talk to them, but no, I'm giving you permission to not talk to them and not have any dealings with them. You don't want to give people a safe space who are just going to breed their white supremacy. And, and so she's just like being extremely uh, painting with a broad brush is kind of the term, right? She's literally made a claim that like all Trump supporters are racists and, and that uh, conservatives are white supremacists and that we progressives, we Biden supporters, we black people should be mean to them, cut them off, have no dealings with them. And I was just like amazed. And so I retweeted that. And, and this is my tweet. I said, here's exhibit 3,286 that the people who decry racism so vocally are the actual racists. Um, and so then this lady who I'd never interacted with at all, other than just like doing this little quote tweet of, of her tweet, she blocked me. <laughs> like, like, what does that say about dialogue if you can't stand by your beliefs when, when someone pushes back, you know? And so um, it's interesting to think of Zora's story as well. Here's here's someone who's black. You know, I think of like Candace Owens is a mm -hmm. pretty popular conservative commentator. Not everyone loves her and I have enough to quibble with. But here's a black woman saying, don't focus on that I'm black. And not all blacks are, you know, liberals or progressives or big government. Let's focus on people as humans and their their abilities and, and their uh, personalities and not the color of their skin. You know, what what I find interesting about Zora is she was uh, also very critical of uh, FDR, right? Yes. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We've talked about the New Deal and the Great Depression on uh, a past episode, right? This is a lot of economic problems because the government had intervened and uh, they were manipulating like the prices of things and whether you could hire people. So the New Deal was like, hey, government created this problem so government's going to come fix it for you right so here's fdr doing all these things and and what did zora say she said roosevelt can call names across an ocean for his four freedoms but he did not have the courage to speak even softly at home basically she's kind of poking at him and being and calling him a hypocrite like his four freedoms like all these economic new deal things and and she's saying like yeah okay roosevelt's saying all that but you know he doesn't even have his own affairs in order um what I kind of like about her is she was somewhat sympathetic to non-interventionism. we like. We talked about. Yeah, yeah. non-aggression principle we've talked about. So having a kind of a humble foreign policy where you're not bossing other uh, countries around. She thought it was ironic that, and this is a quote, she says, the people who claim that it's a noble thing to die for freedom and democracy wax frothy if anyone points out the inconsistency of their morals. We too, she says, consider machine gun bullets good laxatives for heathens <laughs> who get constipated with toxic ideas about a country of their own. I love that. <laughs> and, and she's being like very barbed there to be like, oh yeah, all those people who think that they want to rule themselves and have their own country and sovereignty, like, you know, shooting them and controlling them. That's, that's a great way to get them like no longer constipated on their ideas of freedom <laughs> and stuff that you know, like uh, just an effective visual, I guess, if nothing else, to be like, let's not be hypocritical. The very idea of America was self-sovereignty and independence, and we celebrate it every year. Why would we not want to, you know, butt out of other people's uh, countries yep. when they're trying to seek the uh, the same thing? When when Truman uh, dropped the bomb uh, on Japan, the Which bomb. We might have to talk about that in another episode because that was a big deal foreign policy let's, wise. Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, you know, she called Truman the butcher of Asia. Which, of course, now you look back and everyone's like, oh, the bomb stopped the war. It was so great. We you know, dropped the bombs. And history often gets simplified uh, uh, like that in a way that that avoids kind of the actual like meaning and, and importance. Um, and so here's this like liberty loving person, right? Like calling the president a butcher of Asia. 
um, you know, anyways, there's a lot of other stuff to her story. We're going to link to a couple links on the show notes page where you can learn a little bit more about this very uh, interesting person that a lot of people have never heard of before. And she didn't make the cut, unfortunately, in uh, Courageous Heroes. Uh, but on her own right, she was very outspoken and trying to uh, advance the ideas of freedom uh, in a climate that wasn't very receptive to them. So very worth checking out those links. Head to TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. Uh, Brittany, thanks as always for chatting. It was great talking to you. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.